night, depending on when you're listening to this. Welcome to Provoke, a podcast that takes a provocative look at advertising as a whole. My God, it's been a while, guys. How have you been? How have your family been? How was your holiday? We'll get to that later. In today's episode, we are going to sit down and have an awesome conversation with one Kira C., who is a graphic designer, illustrator, branding aficionado, who has worked at Apple, Anomaly, Mother, uh, you name it, she's done it. And uh, she's currently based in New York, and she was able to take some time out and really kind of sit down and talk about you know, just the just the, the the main topic of our episode today, and that is pretty much breaking down the anatomy of the modern designer. Um, the idea of traditional art direction and, and, and graphic design has changed tremendously just within the past five to seven years alone. And so being able to be being proficient at things like Illustrator, InDesign, Photoshop, honestly just aren't going to cut it in today's fast-paced, digitally driven industry. So we're going to bring her in and we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna talk and really just get to down to the bare bones of what you need if you are a designer, even if you're thinking about becoming a designer, what you need to have in your arsenal and your skill set in order to be the best, regardless of what's being thrown at you job-wise. But before we get into that, there was an article that creativeblock.com posted, I'd say about a year and a half ago, and it was an infographic, you know, back when infographics were pretty much every other page on the internet, uh, about the the pretty much the anatomy of a modern designer. Um, and it really just broke down, it broke down a lot of the quality traits, being resourceful, being communicative, innovative, empathetic, being able to critique your own work, uh, being an, an early adopter and what have you. But none of those things are what really stuck out to me. It was the actual illustration that they used to kind of depict that stereotypical designer. What what we or what what the outside world, so to speak, thinks a designer, a graphic designer looks like. And so to kind of set the set the tone for you, um, he's seated. Uh, he's not. He's not. He's not at a standing desk, which is very, very, uh, very surprising. He's seated. Uh, he's he's facing the camera. Um, he's got a he, a coffee mug, with strategically with the word coffee on the front, just in case you're confused. Um, and on his left side, he has a stylus, and he's obviously working with a a MacBook with a couple of strategically placed stickers. I think one is depicting dribble, and maybe there's I think there's an Instagram and a a Twitter sticker on the front end. Um, he's bearded because of course he's wearing thick rim glasses because of course, and uh, he's he he he's wearing skinny jeans because. Well, of course. Um, and so the, the thing that's true. Oh, and he, he's got a clock behind him that I think is, is, is around four o'clock. It's at four o'clock on the dot. So I don't know if that's a.m. or p.m. I think it depends on how much coffee he's had at this point. Um, but the thing that really struck me about this illustration is that it's again, like I said, it's a very stereotypical various stereotypical depiction of what a designer is. And and I think this is something that we're going to touch on. This is something that we're definitely going to touch on in the interview. Um, it's just the idea of, uh, even for 2015, this is a very 
in, in my opinion, it's a very dated depiction of what designers are or who designers are. Um, I, even where where I work at Evoke, it's we we have designers that are younger, older, have families, don't have families, hail from all almost all corners of the the globe, and don't really fit that stereotypical depiction of the 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 the, the thick rimmed eyeglass wearing bearded white dude. You know, I don't think I've seen a pair of skinny jeans since I started. So. Uh, it, it's just it, it really stuck out and and it it, it really kind of set the 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 pace for what we're going to talk about in the interview just the idea of what the images that we we tend to associate with who or what a designer who a designer is and what they do have changed dramatically and and like i said this was posted in 2015 and barely two years later the the idea this this image would never really would never resonate nearly as much now as it did then so um yeah i'm really excited to to to, to share this interview with you so uh without further ado we are going to get right into it um kind of give people an idea of both your occupation now and kind of like the path you took to where you to where you are now uh so i'm a senior graphic designer mm -hmm. at siegel and gale right now and for those who don't know this company siegel and gale is a global branding brand strategy and design firm and i think some of the most famous works are like hp enterprise mount sinai blue apron and ymca okay and I've been working here for about a year now, and my main client is American Express, okay. which I do all their branding, um, starting with the cards, packaging, poster, website, and even to like you know business card. Um, and I do other branding work here and there. And so far, I love it. Um, I always have been wanting to work in a branding agency, and making logos and creating beautiful visual system is my favorite part of being a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. And I get to do it all the time here, so it's been great so far. Um, but I think in order to get to where I am right now, I had to work very hard and I had to move to a couple of different jobs to figure out what I really want and what makes me really happy. Okay. Um, so like everything started when I was attending School of Visual Art and I took as many internships as I could because I wanted to experience what the real world was like and I also needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew experience was key element to getting a job. So like at the time, no one really wanted to hire a junior designer with less than one year of experience. Okay. Um, so starting in my second year, I took internship at like music company called Atlantic Record and a traditional editorial magazine company called Condé Nast. Well, you know, and, no big deal. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a lot of clothes and fashion. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I even took internship at like motion studios. Um, and then during the week of graduation, I started emailing about 200 people with my portfolio. Okay. Um, wow. And I couldn't party or celebrate because I have a lot of student loans to pay. So mm, I started absolutely. working. And uh, um, I think getting a job through people is way more effective and faster than applying for a job um, through company's website. Okay. So I emailed this guy, Tim, who I never met, saying we went to the same school along with my portfolio. And at the time, he worked at Apple as a senior designer. And okay. he actually referred me to their recruiter, which is like super exciting. Absolutely. And they wanted to interview me. 
And then um, I still remember the interview was terrible. Um, it was like a <laughs> Skype interview because I was in New York and they're in Silicon Valley. Okay. And I was interviewing with eight people all in one screen and I couldn't see who was talking um, because half of them were cropped off on the screen. Oh, wow. And I was just looking so awkward. And But anyway, um, they offered me like one year design assistant job at Apple and they flew me into San Francisco. Um, and then working at Apple was great i mean they're known for like simple and beautiful work and i worked for a packaging team for apple mm -hmm. and i was like just really surprised by their process of making beautiful work um for example like just working on packaging like 20 people uh worked on the project and we made like more than 400 400 different design options okay and we end up showing the top three to steve job and he picked one so wow. the process was just like amazing um and after a year i decided to go back to new york because i really miss new york and this time i wanted to try like something that's like non like like in-house company something other than in-house company mm -hmm. so my next two jobs were at design and advertising company called mother and anomaly mm -hmm. and like next three years i was just working crazy um working on so many different projects such as like advertising campaign video branding packaging um for many different clients like Google, Converse, Johnny Walker, and innovation work. And after working with so many different clients, I kind of realized what I wanted, which was branding, uh, making logos and making beautiful design systems. So this is how I ended up at Siegel and Gale right now. And that's where and that's where the the story meets itself. Uh huh. I'm okay. very happy. <laughs> I finally okay. decided what I wanted. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. So I guess the, the, the premise of this episode is to kind of really dig into the mind of the modern designer um, mm -hmm. in regards to figuring out like the best path and maybe 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 the, the, the traditional path isn't always the best path for every designer and the, the idea mm -hmm. that there are tons of different types of designers from UX, UI, front end, back end, traditional graphic, illustrators, what have you. I um, mean, even, mm -hmm. even as far as... Um, augmented reality and VR designers are kind of the new the new crop of, of designers slash programmers that are kind of coming up the ranks uh, as of recent as of recent years um, so to kind of dive into that uh, my, my next question would be what skills if any does the quote modern designer have over someone who's who took a more traditional route so I think like when I like just graduated, even back then, there mm -hmm. like the, the difference between art design, like modern design, and traditional art directors were very different. Okay. I guess graphic designers were like just you know they make stuff and they create beautiful visual stuff on papers and internet, um, and their pure focus ones were on design. And art directors were more like they created idea and they executed it mm -hmm. so like they work with more people like photographer graphic designer and copywriter um but i think right now there's definitely more collaboration um designers are like collaborating with different developers to create interactive pieces Absolutely. and like Mm -hmm. And technologies are also changing so fast and like knowledge is, is so easily accessed that people are just self-learning and they explore other discipline, not only bound to design. So like, for example, even at Siegel and Gale, which is more traditional design agency, more designers are learning coding and after effect and companies fully supporting that because mm -hmm. they know how fast technologies are changing. Okay. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, that, that I totally agree. It's just the idea of like, 
having more of a fluid approach to what a designer, not so much what a designer is, but what a designer can do or can can become. Um, uh-huh. It's it's definitely moved less from the idea of, of of kind of just opening up Photoshop or InDesign and that being your day, or Illustrator and that being your day, to more of like you said, the coding and a lot of the uh, the, the programming aspects of it. So yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of switching directions a little bit. Uh, I, I read a couple pieces from like Fast Company, Harvard Business Review have over the past few years, especially the past two or three years, have discussed the idea of the creative director, for example, being a role that might be phased out within the next decade or so. So uh-huh. do you think that a similar fu- a similar future is in store for designers and art directors? Um, I feel like creative director roles will still exist, but what they might be doing will be very different from what like we are doing right now. Mm-hmm. And previously what we we're talking about modern designer, like they have to be like versatile with different platform. Um, but the creative director also still has to do the same thing, like leading the whole projects with design strategy and communication, but also being a multilingual in a creative, creative way and flexible in a way that, um, they think about the projects. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you heard, but I heard Japan hire a robot creative director is very scary really (laughs) yes and uh that robots are doing creative work um and then they're actually doing pretty good like they analyze what people want and that's how they like think Mm. but i really don't think they can ever replace the humor and artistic quality that human have so i think like overall like the role of a creative director will be there but what they'll be doing will be very very different from what the traditional creative director role will be doing Mm mm-hmm um, and so how do you think that extends down to, and I, I think we touched on a little bit in the first question, but you know, how does that extend down to the role of the art, of the art director? Um, again, it's not going to be like traditional art direct, like art direction that you saw in like mad TV. It'll be very different. You know, mm-hmm. they could also be a designer. They could also be a code. They could also be working with many different people and they just have to be really, really flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and adapt to like the situation and mm-hmm. like just really keep up to the technology i think okay yeah that's... So i feel like like in a year if you only know photoshop and illustrator i think you're in trouble you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so i guess what do you say to people who might still be on the fence or maybe resistant to the idea of 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 learning new new trades and new new skills within their respective fields I mean, it is very important important to know all of that those things, mm-hmm. but they're not necessary. Um, but then the thing is, like the true like print designers, they're like disappearing. There's no more book designing. Like only there's only a few company that runs it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if you want it, there's still like you can still be a pure like typography designers and everything. But I'm just saying there might be like a less of a job and you'll yeah. be more competitive to get those jobs. Yeah. Um, but I think the most important thing is like not to lose your style and just keep having fun with what you do. Mm-hmm. I think that is the most important thing out of all. Yeah, because I, I, I do run into designers and, and copywriters and other people within the, the, the ad industry who 
are a little kind of apprehensive of of when it comes to like learning code, for example. Like a lot of people are very uh-huh. resistant because they don't they don't want to be they don't want to be seen as coders. Like they don't want to be categorized into the tech the tech uh-huh. industry. They wanted to be, they, they want to kind of preserve the purity of 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 being an artist, so to speak. So I, I'm always curious as to how to see how other people have approached that 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 obstacle, and 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 trying to trying to find a happy medium between still preserving that sense of artistry while keeping up with the times. You know, I totally understand their concern, but like you don't need to know like all the coding. You just need to know like the basis of coding, so mm-hmm. you can tell other developer and you can actually communicate with them because mm-hmm. if you don't know the basic of the fundamental stuff then there will be a huge communication problem in mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. so even when you want to create a beautiful stuff you still need to know some of the basics of it mm-hmm. yeah that's um, yeah absolutely absolutely um so yeah um so 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 speaking on that uh what you have you've had a very very illustrious career up to this point um so what what are any kind of like parting words or, or or major life advice that you would give for directors or designers who are even just trying to break into the ad industry? Um, I guess just try like many different things. Um, before even if you're at school, like I just heard, you can only just choose one thing. Mm-hmm. Like you have to learn After Effects, Sketch, Interactive Design, and Pure Typography. But like, just try different things and have fun. And again, like don't lose the style that you have. So like, even if you go digital, like what your style will still be same. It's just how you do it will be very different. Mm-hmm the way of doing it but like your thinking and your creative will always remain what you are even the platform is different okay so just keep trying different things okay and so and then and bumping up the experience a little bit what advice do you have and because you've you've done this what advice do you have for for designers who are trying to make that transition from in-house to agency or vice versa um (laughs) you know recruiter (laughs) just like comes up to me and then I do the interview, <laughs> but you know, you'll, <laughs> you'll be very different. For example, like in house, you'll only be doing like one type of work mm-hmm. and you kind of have usually more like, um, like 10 to six o'clock, um, like working hour, okay. but like in mm-hmm. an agency, you'll be way busy and things are going to be moving way quicker. Mm-hmm. So you just have to like, make sure you kind of know this thing and you're okay with the time. And yeah. you know, you might not kind of have like private life for a while, but it'll be very fun and you'll have a lot of portfolio work mm-hmm. um, very soon. So just different things like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think my approach has always been join join an agency if you're just trying to get a, a nice smattering of, of experience across multiple industries and then uh-huh. once you I think once you've put in enough time in an agency that's also an opportunity for you to kind of like hone in on maybe two to three industries that you're really passionate about that you're really uh-huh. interested in and that's when you can potentially make that switch to the 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 in-house role yeah, my one's kind of opposite just yeah. because I got my first role as a um, um, as a in an in-house, but mm-hmm. I totally agree. Um, in an agency, you will be exposed to a lot of different work, and you'll figure out what you like and what you hate. So mm-hmm. it's a really great opportunity. I fully agree with it. Cool, awesome. Um, well, uh, 
thank you uh, for taking the time to, to answer those hard-hitting questions about the uh, the advertising <laughs> industry. Um, for every, as, as is tradition with every guest and host that comes on, uh, we always do a segment called uh, Take It or Leave It. And uh, you are you ready for that? Mm, okay. Okay, okay. So for people who are just listening for the first time, Take It or Leave It is a segment where we kind of do a rapid fire roundtable discussion of sorts where everybody kind of takes or leaves a current or emerging ad trend, any kind of ad advertising related issues, or just stories that have popped up in the past few uh, days or weeks. So, Kira. Uh-huh. Ready to get started? Yep. Awesome. All right. So. The first topic is the hovering art director. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I do remember Adobe, uh, probably, what, maybe, maybe a month ago, released a, uh, like a, 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 a hovering art director doll that, um, <laughs> that I think you could just put on your desk. And it had a couple, you know, little sound bites like, oh, I think I would, I would, I would change that gradient or maybe you could add this logo <laughs> here, things like that. So. Kira, what are, uh-huh. you, what are your thoughts on the uh, the hovering art director? Take it or leave it? Uh, I'll take it. Okay. Um, because I got this a lot, um, especially when I was working in advertising agency, just mm. like when the things are just so like doing like 10 minute and like there's like three different creative director behind mm-hmm. me telling me what to do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then we still have to print it and like export it to PDF. So it's very nervous in my end. But mm-hmm. you know what? The funny thing is a lot of people have been telling me that they like to look at people working uh, from behind and like just to see magic um, happening oh. on the screen. Gotcha. It's weird. And a lot of people have been saying it's very therapeutic hmm. because like someone's working and they're just looking and something's happening, you know. Um, but I think um, for the hovering director, I think one of the advice is just keep calm and like work at your own pace. Don't panic, you know. Things will get done. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. I might have to. I might have to oppose you on this one. I think this might be a leave it for me. <laughs> uh-huh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it, it's a little different for me just being a copywriter. Um, uh-huh. So there isn't nearly as much mm, artistic scrutiny, so to speak, that that comes with the things that I do from day to day. At least not in the in the beginning phases where I'm just kind of concepting and, and researching a lot of the a lot of the copy. Um, but I do understand how having a peer, especially someone who might be someone you might look up to or someone who has a senior role or even like a copy director or, uh, excuse me, a creative director role to kind uh-huh. of give you kind of that, that real time advice. Cause I mean, again, as you had mentioned before, agencies in house and otherwise are, are definitely moving towards a more collaborative setup and so uh, any opportunity that someone has to kind of like give suggestions like, again in real time i think can hurt or or help the design process depending on who you are uh-huh. and, and just depending on how you operate so so i leave it I leave it with with certain conditions all right <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next topic: um, the industry transition from print to wholly digital design. Take it or leave it. Um, take it. But it's like I talked about it before. I think it's most agency has been 
changing from print and digital more to the digital side mm-hmm. because digital is just getting like just so much larger and larger and you just can't really survive just by doing print yes absolutely nowadays so yeah i think that's a easy take it yeah yeah absolutely t- totally agree um it's kind of just one of those no-brainers at this point um I mean, I can't. I can't really find a defense for having a a a majority print operation, just because it's 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 expensive. Um, mm-hmm. There's not really. A, there's a very slim to nil margin of error that mm-hmm. you can't really you can't really correct on print collateral that you can on like a digital or any kind of interactive um, component. Um, and it's just. A, a lot of the new software and a lot of the new best practices that have that have come out are definitely lend themselves more to the digital side of things. So, but yeah, uh-huh. I definitely definitely a, a take it on that transition. Uh-huh. Um, cool. Next topic: stock photography. Take no. it, take it, <laughs> take it or leave it. Leave it. <laughs> leave it. <laughs> No, I use a lot of stock photo for my work um, since we actually don't have time to hire a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like so tricky to find like stock image that does not look like stock image. Yeah. And even if you get it, they're very expensive. Yeah. So it's time consuming. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's the, uh, mm. I think stock, so I'm kind of on the fence about this one because I think stock photography works in a pinch. Like like you said, if you don't have a dedicated photographer or if you just don't have the, the general resources to, to, to build your own image library for whether it's uh-huh. whether it's for you or for a particular client. Um, so yeah, stock photography definitely helps you out when you when you've got a time crunch or a budget crunch. But God, there's nothing better than just like custom photography. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> nothing better, especially if you can tailor every photo shoot and every every piece of, of photography to that client's just brand positioning and just their overall their overall aesthetic. It's it's awesome. It's and there's so many things you can do with with custom photography that you you know that Getty or or Shutterstock just can't do for you <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, it really also depends on client situation whether they have like the money and the time yeah, to actually yeah. afford those things absolutely sure. but but don't we wish every client had the money and all the time in the world <laughs> uh, yeah i wish it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but yeah on the fence about stock photography but definitely leaning more towards the leave it side of things mm-hmm. um cool all right next topic Online designer networks like uh, Dribble and Behance, take it or leave it. Uh, I'm on the, I'm on the fence, mm-hmm. but I'll leave it. Leave it, okay. Um, I think I don't know. There's like just so many websites right now, like Design Inspiration, Dribble, Behance. I actually get confused, mm. like sometimes going in there. Yes. Um. I wish there was like a one huge graphic design site that like kind of like google.com where like I can find everything all in one. Absolutely. But now there's just so many different um, websites. It just confuses me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah, I think, I'm, I think I might be on the fence about this one too. Just because, I, I mean, I understand as, a, as, a, as an artist, like you want to be able to use as many different outlets especially online to kind of showcase your work and and really mm-hmm. give people an idea of what you can accomplish you know based mm-hmm. on your specific skill set 
But I think the caveat of that is you you, you, you kind of just don't you don't want to give people too much because right. most most of your portfolios on those sites are, are public um, unless you change the, you can I think you can change the settings to to private and have it password protected. But most people uh-huh. tend to tend to give away a little more than they should. And that uh-huh. can that can definitely backfire on you because if you know if somebody if like a, a an intern is on dribble one day and is under the pressure of trying to find a good idea or, or three or four ideas to present to their direct report and next thing you know they're just on dribble, uh, you know pulling ideas from people who have already done the work, and then right. you, and you get none of the credit as the original artist. Right, right. So and sure. so yeah, that's that's I think that's my one big pet peeve with with sites like that but i again i do get the idea of being able to to utilize as many different outlets as you can to kind of showcase your work because it's hard it's hard there's a lot of there's a lot of designers there's a lot of talented designers out there who um, uh-huh. who just you know are just kind of like competing for the the, the the just the handful of director designer jobs that are available especially in our industry uh-huh. yeah for sure yeah. All right. So, final topic, um, and this is a this is a hot button. This is a hot button topic for a lot of designers. The uh, the and I quote: "Can you make the logo bigger?" Uh, Take it or leave it. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, um, I think this is one of the questions I used to get all the time before, but I kind of figure out like what to do to mm-hmm. make client stop saying that <laughs> um so like at Siegel and Gale people who come to our design agency do appreciate the design and they kind of trust us and then when we are designing it we also make sure the logo is visible um enough so it doesn't get lost in the design mm-hmm. and I think the main problem that people make mistake is that um it helps a lot to start designing with the logo and make sure that they're integrated with the system. Mm-hmm. Um, because I used to just like leave the logo kind of at the corner, like making like hopefully no one notice it, and you know, <laughs> um, then like you know the work feels unconsidered and the client kind of noticed that, and mm-hmm. that's why they kept saying make the logos bigger and bigger, and you know ruin the whole work. But um, there's a, a there's a way of doing things if you start with the logos and then the whole system together gotcha see that's that's super smart like it's and i notice that a lot with 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 the design process for a lot of artists is that especially if it's a logo that they didn't design or didn't have a hand in like Uh they kind of put that on the back burner and then just create whatever needs to be created and then try to kind of shoehorn the original logo back into play and it, exactly. It, yeah, and it just doesn't it doesn't work out that way because you've you've does you've started the the design process with this new collateral with the the existing logo out of mind, mm-hmm. and that's probably one of the most integral pieces of whatever you're creating, um, at least in the client's eyes. Um, that's what they're paying for too. Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. So you have to be able. To, I think the sign of a a really good designer is being able to utilize all of the elements in a very cohesive way even if you weren't the one who originally created them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so agreed yeah so yeah taking making making the logo bigger maybe not but being able to still utilize a lot of the existing elements to make a really awesome design yes i will definitely take that Uh yes (laughs) awesome well that uh that uh wraps up uh take it or leave it that was an awesome segment thank you kira again for uh taking the time out 
to really just Thank wax you. poetic about you know ads and 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 advertising and and, and artistry and and just being able to be the best uh professional that you can in, in an ever-changing landscape so thank you for that thank you so much for inviting me yeah, yeah no problem all right guys we'll uh, we'll be back all right everybody that wraps up this episode of provoke again i want to thank my guest kira for taking the time to hang out with us today um if you have any questions comments or concern as always be sure to send them to provoke p-r-o-v-o-k at evokead.com and follow us on Twitter at evokead and on Facebook at evoke advertising to keep up with all of our contributions to the advertising world. And as far as today's quotes concerned, um, I think Charles Darwin put it best when he said, it's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It's the one that is most adaptable to change. Y'all take care.